Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week you are in for quite a treat. We have my good friend Rachel Gilliam joining us. You might have heard her name before. If you're not following along with her on social media, which she's amazing, you totally should find her, but you also might have heard her here on the Radiant Podcast. If you scroll all the way back to the very beginning episodes, you'll find a conversation with Rachel right there. But a lot's transpired between now and then, so I'm having her back on, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this conversation. Not only is Rachel one of the biggest go-getters I know and has the unique ability to launch multiple dreams into the world and accomplish them all, she's also navigated a lot of love, life, and loss in the past year. I'm not going to spoil it. I want you to hear her story, but it's truly a gift with how vulnerable she gets as she shares her story in this episode. I'm so thankful for Rachel, and I'm so thankful for the gift her transparency brings to the world. And so I'd love for you to dive in. And guys, tell us what you love about this episode. Screenshot it. Share it on your stories and tag us both. And tell us the parts you found most impactful and encouraging. Of course, it helps spread the word about the Radiant Podcast to you, which would just be helping fulfill one of my heart's desires for 2019, which is to get this podcast into more listeners' ears. So let's get to it. Let's dive in. Hey, Rachel. Hey, girl. I am super pumped to have you back on today, would you know, because I think we could talk for probably hours. I think if you reference back to episode number two, we probably spent 10 minutes talking about Vampire Diaries alone. So I know the two of us could just riff all day long. So for those of you listening, get ready. Uh, Rachel, super pumped to have you back on. Um, catch us up to speed with what's been going on in your, in your world, but also tell our listeners who you are, what to do, a little bit of your story. They can go hear kind of the long version in episode two of the Radiant Podcast, which was recorded two years ago. Um, but also tell us what's going on in your world now, what's been going on and what's ahead. Yes. So we last spoke a little over two years ago and I feel like a completely different person now. It was just such a different, uh, phase of life. A lot has happened since then, but the short of it, um, I mentioned this in greater detail on uh, the first time I was on the podcast, but I'm a bone marrow transplant survivor. So that's a big part of who I am and what makes up a lot of my character. I spent a lot of my early twenties, I'm 26 now, um, battling a disease called aplastic anemia. So I was pretty sick, all of the time I went through a bone marrow transplant. My sister was my donor and I'm kind of flying through those details, but it was a tumultuous um, season um, that God really showed up for me and for my family, just how he provided for us and how he saw us through such a dark time. Um, I think everyone can relate that when you see someone that gets sick, it's different from when it feels um, like from when it's when it hits your family, you know, like you see it all the time on Facebook, but when it actually happens to someone that you know, and you love, it becomes all the more real. So that whole phase of my journey has really shaped a lot of who I am now in my later twenties as a 
uh, 26-year-old. But yeah, so bone marrow transplant survivor. I do the digital marketing thing. I've worked in email for about five years. That looks a little different every day, but right now it's a lot of um, strategy, execution in my full-time job. And since we last spoke, I am in the middle of launching my own marketing agency, um, which I'm sure we'll dive into later. But it's been uh, a lot of learning lessons, but very grateful for that opportunity Uh, When we last talked, I had only been married for about six months, and I think that has been the biggest change. Probably six months after we spoke, my husband was diagnosed with a malignant spinal tumor, very aggressive glioblastoma. The survival rate was three months, and the life expectancy was 13 months after you start showing signs of being diagnosed. So he was diagnosed in March 2017, battled hard for a year and a half and passed away this past September uh, to the disease. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is just navigating this new season of grief and loss and kind of learning a new life without my best friend. We've been together for six years before all of this. Man, Rachel, A, thank you for sharing. First, I know that we're going to have some listeners who probably deeply resonate with what you've had to live through um, the past two years. Um, so kind of, I, you know, I know that I'm also so excited to talk about what you're launching and what you're stepping into in the year ahead, but I don't think there's any way we could ever gloss over that. Um, so I would love for you to tell us about Joe, about that season. I got to meet Joe. I, he carried so much peace. You two are the strongest people I've ever met Um, in (laughs) y'all's friendship. I think I just loved so much watching your friendship during that season. Could you just tell us about that? Yeah. So it's funny, even though like now when I'm talking about Joe, I always refer to him as my buddy. And I have always said that I am the clingy wife. And it was really interesting because in some ways you start to feel annoying that you want to spend every waking moment with this person. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go see my friends for just, just a couple hours. I'll be back. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Call me, text me. (laughs) And it was interesting to see in the last year of his life when he really needed a caregiver and a lot more love and support. And, you know, you could kind of tell the direction that things were headed, that he became, quote unquote, the clingy husband, that I was working from home a lot more. We were spending every waking moment together. And it was just really sweet, you know, and I still refer to him as my buddy, I think more than I do my husband. Like, oh, yeah, that was my buddy. You know, we were best friends, inseparable Um, I think it's one thing to spend a lot of time together. It's one thing when your husband is mostly bed bound or wheelchair bound and is dependent on you to leave the house. And also you're working from home and it's not just like, oh, we spent a lot of time together. It was literally every waking moment. And it was so sweet to have that much time together and not get annoyed with each other, um, but to feel that sweetness and that love just grow in our friendship and in our connectedness. Wow. And one thing I love, you know, about you and Joe is he was there with you through your bone marrow transplant, right? Y'all, y'all were dating, right? We were dating. He would never brag about this or even really talk about it, but he spent his 22nd birthday in the hospital with me. He rarely got any time off from school and he was a um, college athlete and he spent his spring break 
in Dallas, Texas in the hospital with me when he could have been relaxing or just enjoying some time away from school. But no, he was holding my hair back when I still had it. He shaved my head after I went through chemo and was losing it. He was just there. Um, and it was incredible to just see how much, and we were just dating, you know, but how much he was there for me and wanted to see me on the other side of that disease. Wow. You two are such a picture of just championing one another and being each other's advocates. So uh, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that has to be challenging to to be able to articulate into words even in five minutes and feel like you summed it all up well. But it, it was truly an honor to just watch all love each other um, and, and to hear more about him. And I think we're going to have some listeners who obviously can resonate with with this. And so I'm always kind of an advocate for sharing stories and hopes that it can usher people into more fullness and freedom or just simply say like, you're not alone. So um, who were the people for you during this season that really helped you to not feel alone? I've loved watching your friends rally for you. That is like one of my favorite things to just kind of keep tabs on and to see where you're going, what you're doing. Um, how has has community played a role in your healing, um, in your bereavement? How has that played a role for you in this season? Ooh, I'm going to try and say this without crying because I, I have the best friends in the entire world. And it's so funny when Joe passed away and it was before his uh, service. I don't know why I was thinking like, oh, it's such a, it's a long flight. It's expensive to fly from Dallas, Indianapolis. And I have friends that are all over now. I have friends in Seattle and friends in California and just that love me and love Joe. And I completely understood if they couldn't make it, but gosh, every childhood close friend, my church friends growing up, just people from every season of life that have loved us and seen us through showed up. And I think that was probably not the first way that they showed love for us because we battled this disease for a year and a half, you know, until the end. So, so much love up until that. And that looked differently every day. It could have been a meal. It could have been coming to sit with Joe. Cause like I said, we spent every waking moment together, but sometimes I needed to go to the store, but didn't feel comfortable leaving him home by himself. And maybe he was too tired to get out. So People just saying, hey, you know, I'll come sit with Joe while you go do that. Or even I'll run to the store so, you know, you're not having to leave him by himself. So we had a lot of friends. Joe's grandma was always willing to come sit with him. And just people that showed up in every way imaginable as something as small as a meal or as big as we had a friend that ran, I want to say, in a 100-mile race. I know it was a lot of miles, <laughs> but ran it for Joe, raised funds and paid off one of our biggest hospital wow. as a result. Yeah. People that just showed up for us um, and just loved on us so well. It's been, yeah, it's been incredible just to see how many people just want to show love, you know, and want to support, wanted to support us in that season and now want to support me. You know, it's, it's truly incredible. The friendships that we both had and that I have, or even people that maybe not like even knew me, but knew Joe really well. And they've showed up and, you know, 
I knew Joe since he was in third grade, loved him then. I want to make sure you know that you're whatever you need. We got it. You know, I get messages like that still every single day. And it's, it's mind blowing to me. Wow. That is incredible. And just, again, it's been really cool as your friend to be able to watch and see your people rally for you. I think that's what real community looks like. What are some things that have been really helpful in the grieving process? And then some things that have been not helpful because I think, um, you know, people want to at least make a positive impact when someone is experiencing loss. And I think some people are so scared of saying the wrong thing. They do nothing, which can be hurtful. Um, what has been helpful and not helpful for you? Yeah. So interesting you ask that because I always say I could probably write a book on like what to do in hard seasons and what not to do now. And it's been an interesting learning experience for me also because I've had to learn a lot of grace of what, even if that might make me uncomfortable, what someone has said, they're just doing the best they can because they've never experienced such a significant loss so young. And neither have I, you know, so but people that might say things like, how are you? How's your heart? I don't know. I just like, how do you think my heart is? My husband just died. You know, it's, um, it's, it's really tough. But then I also have to have a lot of grace and mercy and even patience that that's how they're choosing to love on me is to check in on me. And I don't want to sound like a, a bad person by even laughing at that because it's a very valid question. But I I have told a lot of my friends and people have noticed that if you just randomly text me, how are you? I sometimes don't even reply because I like to give a really genuine thought out answer. And there are so many emotions that still are whirling around. You know, um, Joe was very sick when he passed away. It was very hard to watch and to know that he is in heaven, not suffering anymore, brings me a lot of joy and peace. But that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface on the emotions that I feel every single day. So it's just such a hard question to answer. Um, So I would say things not to do would be overwhelming people with like a lot of questions, uh, like with status updates and asking how, how are things, how are you, which doesn't make sense, I think, unless you're in the moment. Because I've even had to catch myself now. I have a really good friend who just um, gave birth to premature twins and lost one. And it's your it's your first reaction to want to text them right away, let them know you're praying for them, and you know, ask how they're doing. And in my friend circle, we have a little running joke now that's like, what if I told you you could pray for someone without telling them that you're praying for them? You know, so I, it's a, it's a two way street because you want people to know that you're thinking about them. You want people to know that they care. But when someone is going through such a significant loss for me personally, getting a hundred texts stresses me out. Oh yeah. I can imagine in a sense. I even hate saying I can't imagine because I can't imagine I haven't gone through it, but, um, you know, I, I really tried to think of that too. Of like, I hope, you, you know, you or a friend going through something, or if I ever have, you know, to navigate these waters, people don't feel obligated to respond. Like hopefully, you know, we as your friends can understand it's not about us or the updates we need. It's about you and caring for you in this season. And so um, I think that that's even helpful for listeners to know where to start, you know, of, of how to really care for someone and steward um, that friendship and, 
in really, really hard seasons. The worst you could imagine. Yes. So that's a lot of don'ts, but, and I, you're not going to like this, but I will brag on you as a friend because you have done so much for us. Um, even just sending me Starbucks gift cards when we're in the hospital and I'm not sleeping at night um, and just need something to help get me going in the day or Postmates gift cards. You know, it's, it's pretty rare even to this day that I feel like cooking, which is not like me because I do love to cook. But when you're just tired and emotionally exhausted, being able to pull up Postmates or DoorDash is so helpful. Um, you know, and not even, I'd say the biggest thing is not asking what do you need, but just doing it. Cause I am the type of person I will never tell you if I need something, but if you tell me, Hey, I'm sending you a Postmates gift card, you better believe I'm going to use it. Yeah. But I would never be like, Hey, can you send me a Postmates gift yeah. card? I think it's just doing it, you know, put yourself as hard as it might be to imagine in that person's shoes. And what would really benefit me if I was going through this? And, and just showing up, you know? Yep. Yeah. Well, I, um, seriously, thank you for even being willing to talk about that or share because I was fully willing if you didn't want to, to get on today and not talk about it. Um, but I also think it's a gift that, um, you're able to articulate so beautifully the love y'all had to celebrate that. And then also to be able to talk about the pain of what you've navigated in the last two years. I think that's a a gift to people that you're able to share that, but I, I don't want to gloss over of how hard that is for you. Um, and so seriously, thank you for sharing. I would love to ask has, um, you know, especially as I've seen you start posting more about what I first even met you as, because we met in the context through a friend of you writing about whole living, kind of like a holistic approach to life. Has your journey with your bone marrow transplant and then walking through what you walked through with Joe over the last two years, has that significantly reinforced your approach to clean and holistic living? Because you've really gone through the ringer health-wise. Um, and so has that really reinforced your love for kind of holistic approaches to taking care of your body? Yes, a hundred percent. Because I think that we forget how fortunate we are to have bodies that just function, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget. I was sitting in the hospital with Joe and at this point he was ventilator dependent and we were listening to a sermon together and I kid you not the pastor, it was Stephen Furtick. He said, there's someone laying in a hospital bed right now that is ventilator dependent. So while you still have breath in your lungs, praise God. And I just started weeping because it, it's so true. I, I personally can go through my day all day complaining about things that do not matter. Meanwhile, I have a husband who is fighting for his life, can't take a breath on his own, can't move a single muscle in his body and still smiles at you. You know, it's just, it was, it was so humbling to walk through that and for him to see him walk through that. And then for me to walk through my own journey you just start to see how fortunate and blessed we are to have these bodies that move, to have lungs that work. He had a pacemaker that kept his heart beating, you know, like things that we take for granted or maybe don't take the time to think about that. Honestly, we're just really blessed for. And I, I guess I've seen what it looks like to do everything in your power to want to live a healthy life. Cause when I was diagnosed, I was healthy and same with Joe. It wasn't like we were showing these signs of sickness and then, you know, it kind of snowballed into this. It was literally, 
out of nowhere. Joe was diagnosed. We were on a trip in New York. We were walking around and like he started like his legs were feel really weird. And the next day he couldn't feel his left leg. In two weeks he was paralyzed, you know, out of nowhere. I'm 21 years old. I'm just all of a sudden tired all the time and passing out randomly. And I have a bone marrow disease. You know, I think we go through our days forgetting how fortunate and blessed we are um, just to have bodies that do what they're supposed to do. So while we have that, I think that we should really do our best to care for them while it's in our control because it can easily turn into something that is out of our control. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that. To highlight that, yes, it can absolutely turn into something out of our control, but what what can we do with it when it is? Um, and I think I love following along with everything you share about because like right now, I've never heard of sole water a day in my life, but what is that? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> sole water is basically Himalayan salt water and it is so good for you. And it's funny because I don't really do in my opinion, things that are like so out of the ordinary. But I think when I take a step back and like think that, oh, I drink salt water every single morning, that probably does sound a little weird to some people, but it's so good for you. And it's a little different because you're probably listening and thinking, why would I like, why would I want to drink salt water? Isn't salt bad for you? But Himalayan salt is so good for you. And basically I have these Himalayan salt crystals in this glass jar and I pour water over it, let it soak for about 24 hours. And every morning I take about an eight ounce glass of water and I mix in four teaspoons of this Sole mix. And you build up to it. So your first week you do one teaspoon, second week you do two teaspoons and so on until you get to four and you stay there. And it's great for your skin. It's great for your sleep cycles, um, digestion, bloating, pretty much anything you can think of it is good for. And I genuinely can tell a difference when I've like taken a few days off from it versus when I drink it every single day. So fascinating. I I know you don't feel like these things are so far out there. And and you could just be way ahead of the curve too. I had never heard of that till your Instagram stories. Um, but I also hadn't like been on the bone broth train till our last conversation. So you are the person <laughs> who enlightens me, you and Griffin in this field. Um, and you guys help me get on what we've lovingly referred to as the straight and narrow. Um, <laughs> During, you know, some seasons are better than others for me with my straight and narrow, but you guys keep me inspired. Thank you. And I, I mean, I promise I'm not perfect either. I'm home um, in Dallas for the weekend and I definitely ate my body weight and brisket last night. So it's a balance. It really is. So. I mean, but how could you say no to brisket anyways? I mean, fellow I'm Southern saying. girl, I mean, I hear you that that's just an, that's non-negotiable. So go on with your brisket. Um, so tell us about kind of what you're up to. Uh, in the last year, you started like two businesses on the side of working full time, on the side of literally going through the hardest two years of your life. So um, how the heck did you start two side hustles that are now full-fledged businesses? Tell us what's going on and how the heck you have the capacity that you do. I hear you say all that stuff. And to me, I sound crazy, but when I'm living it, it's just another day for me. I am an Enneagram three, which means I'm an achiever. I love to-do lists. I love marking stuff off and I love the next challenge. So 
<laughs> I am, um, I'm definitely the person in the family that gets an idea and I'm like, I might go to law school. And now my parents are just like, okay, Rachel, because <laughs> they know that I like, I don't know. I just like to dream big and do all the things, which gets me in a lot of trouble. I'd say, especially with Joe and walking with him in that season, I've learned a lot of where does my energy need to go and with energy, like what energizes me the most. So that kind of turned into sharing a lot more about uh, wellness, whole living, non-toxic products on my Instagram, uh, my personal Instagram, and then also taking what I do full time, which is digital marketing, uh, more specifically email and social media, and turning that into a side business for um, female entrepreneurs. So I have a company called Feminist Co. And it's really all about empowering boss babes to um, take their business to a next level. I think a lot of us have really great ideas, but just have no idea how to get it out there. And that's a big part of what I do is taking these small ideas and making them, um, well, really they're big ideas and just getting them out into, into the world for people to be able to see your products, see your ideas, uh, see your brand and kind of elevate you to that next level in your marketing. Man. And you are, I mean, you're so good at it. Like I love feminists. So what was kind of your heart behind feminists? Um, especially with the brand direction you went in, like, I think it's so fun. I think it's encouraging. I think it's the perfect dose of like wit and humor and not overly, you know, angry or overly serious. It's just perfect. Tell me more. Well, thanks. I just wanted something that felt like me. I, I don't think I really understood feminism because I kind of pictured it as like, you don't shave your armpits. You, you don't support men. Like you're just like this. I don't know. And I had this wrong idea. So over the past almost year, I've kind of been exploring what does that look like? And it's really just to me, female empowerment. And I wanted to build a brand that felt like that. And so working with these clients that they are passionate about this thing and they they just want to work with someone that is equally passionate with them. And so as much as I'm an achiever, I also have a little bit of dreamer in me. So I like to dream big with these people and then bring their visions to life with marketing strategy and execution. And so it kind of started honestly on a call with you of like, okay, here's what I'm good at. <laughs> here's what I like to do. What can I do? And, um, you played a big role in that. And so I don't know. I think that just having um, a space where women can be themselves, whatever that looks like. So my branding is a little bit more pink and blue and some floral, which doesn't always feel like me, but I think that it's a great representation of what I want my brand to be. And so I'm not always super floral or pink, but I am pretty witty and pretty sarcastic. And there's a little bit of that in there too. I love that. And I want to piggyback on that a little bit. Why do you think we like to build brands that aren't, that are only like maybe a facet of what we like and who we are, or better said, just like another expression of who we are? Because I think sometimes with branding, we want something to perfectly capture us to a T, but like the real, the reality is, it's my colors on social media, blue, yellow guys. When I used to share a blog with someone, um, 
Her name is Kendall. That's how I got started. It was super fun. And I would die on the hill of not having yellow as my brand color. I was just never going to have it. Nope, nope, nope. And she loved yellow. I could have been a little more flexible. Um, she has a beautiful yellow brand now. Um, and I would just utterly refuse to have blue and yellow. But as I've evolved, um, blue and yellow are pretty much my main brand colors and some pink too. But like day to day, I wear black and gray. My house is all black, white, wood and metal and gold. Like I am not, you, you would look at my personality and think you would look at my social media and think my personality is a little more fluffy. Um, but it's just a fun place I get to pull out that side of me. Does, is what are what's kind of your take on that? Yeah, I I'll piggyback off of that, and then there's two pieces to that. So, I would agree that I think that we all have these different parts of us, but we wake up, go to work, come home, we're tired, burnt out, and we don't get to really explore that creative side. So, feminists, a lot of that is just me exploring. You know, I'm with you. I probably don't really own any pink. Um, my apartment is black, blue, gold, and some gray. So very deep with like gold accents. Um, but feminist is really pink. My website that I'm working on is very pink. And I think that it's just exploring the different sides of us. And the second part of that is I've really over the past year come to peace with who I am because I used to struggle a lot with, I love whole living. I love organic, non-toxic living. But when I was in the best shape of my life, I was kind of in a prison. Like I had one cheat meal a week. And even then I like counted the calories. Like I, I was not a fun person to be around at all. And so I think knowing now that I love whole living, I love wellness, but I also practice a lot of balance in my life and realize that there are different pieces of me. So I always joke that you probably couldn't pay me enough to use like a Clorox wipe on a day to day, but will I get my nails done every two weeks? Heck yeah. You know, so there's like, <laughs> there's different parts of me that I think some people will say that they don't fit very perfectly, but they make me me. So even though I might walk around in all black, um, and I currently have black nails right now, I have a brand that is very pink and girly and feminine. And I think it's just tapping into all of who we are every day. We're so, I think, just driven to do this, this and this, pay bills, go to the gym. And we have these routines and it's okay to step outside of it and start to explore every single piece of you. Ooh, that's a good word. So what does exploring every single piece of you look like? I know that you're in a season of major transition and change. You're moving states. You're changing careers. Like what does exploring the facets of who you are now? Because that could even look different than two years ago, five years ago. Like what does that look like for someone? Because I think that's super relatable to anyone. Yeah, I am not really the person to go outside of my comfort zone. And I will challenge my friends. Like I am the, I am the person who will tell you nothing good happens outside of your comfort zone, but I'll say it from the comfort of my comfort zone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, there's nothing that could be truer than that. <laughs> so I have really been challenging myself to do things that scare me and not even scare me, but that might make me a little uncomfortable. That might make my heart race a little bit. That might not feel exactly like who I am. Um, just last week I went to a rave and you know, I think if you knew <laughs> me in real life, you'd be like, huh, 
I don't know if that's who she is. And I had the time of my life and it was so fun. And I think not necessarily saying yes more because I think that that can cause a little bit of busyness and I'm not about that at all, but doing things that might not feel like you, but I don't know, just trying new things. Even if it's a new dish at a restaurant, I don't want to go through the whole day doing the same things every single day, eating the same food, taking out with the same people. That's just not how I want to live my life. As you can tell, as I'm moving states, changing jobs, like starting two businesses, doing all these new and exciting things, but uh, caring a lot less what people think about me and doing a lot more things that um, challenge me, even if it seems really small. I got white nails painted on for the first time a couple months ago. And that was a big deal to me because I'd never done it before. As much as I get my nails done, I had never done white. So that might sound so trivial to you. But for me, I was like, wow, I'm daring. (laughs) (laughs) Wild Rachel on the loose. (laughs) So what is this? What does it look like? You know, we've touched on and I know I'm excited for your answer. Um, cause I feel like it's going to be good. I don't know what you're going to say, but you know, I know you have a deep passion for wellness, um, physically, like by stewarding kind of your health with a holistic approach, but what does that look like spiritually, mental, like mentally kind of the internal, um, non what I'm putting into my body food or health wise in that regard, but mentally and spiritually healthily, like what is stewarding that part of your soul look like? And especially like in, in the hardest seasons of your life, because I know that you probably can't have one without the other. You probably can't, you know, only focus on, you know, healthy eating or living or clean living without focusing on kind of the spiritual and mental component and kind of how do you, how do you do that? Yeah, it's all so related. And I think we all forget that. But think about when you don't feel well physically, maybe you have a cold. It's hard to pull yourself out and be this joyous person when the physical part of you is, you know, hurting or suffering. It could be a cold, it could be grieving, whatever that looks like. And so it really is all related. And as far as like spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, I think there's this big movement on self-care right now, and I love it. But if you ever to ask me what I think self-care is, I will probably never say like a bubble bath or lighting a candle. <laughs> like for me, self-care looks like saying no and putting up really clear boundaries of what I'm going to give my energy to that day. I don't like to feel stressed. I don't think anyone does, but I think we still kind of go through this rut of getting a lot of things done. And I, I'm just, I'm going to say, no, I, I'm a flaky friend. My friends love me and accept me for it. (laughs) But if I'm tired and what we're going to do is going to stress me out or burn me out, I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm sorry. I I'm really intentional about how I spend my time. And I think that's been the biggest thing that kind of sets apart where you're at in this journey, like emotionally and physically. I'm, I'm not that big of a yes person. I just said that because I don't like the busyness of it all, but I'm, I'm big on boundaries and I'm big on energy. And if I'm with someone and I'm not jiving with your energy, I'm not going to suffer through it. I, I just had this conversation with a girlfriend and she was like, I really admire you. Cause you're not like, you don't suffer through stuff. Like if someone's standing too close to me in a grocery store, most people I think would just post about it on Facebook or be like, I was in the store and this girl was standing so close to me and me so uncomfortable. I will tell you, you're standing too close to me like, and you're making me uncomfortable. Hey, that's gonna, impressive. Like, 
yeah, I don't, I don't like to sit and internalize things. If I don't like your energy, if you're standing too close to me, if you're making me uncomfortable in any way, I'm going to speak on it and not in like a aggressive way. I try and always be super loving, but I, I don't want to go through my day where you're annoying me or making me upset in some way. And I just sit, I just sit in it, you know, that to me is not creating clear boundaries or even just loving yourself well, because you're the person who's stressed out about it and they're just living their day. They don't know they're standing too close to you or whatever the situation may be. (laughs) No, that is so good. And that is bold. I need to get on your level with that because, you know, I think we do no matter what, whether we're going to say something or not, I think we subject ourselves to so much undue stress. I actually was just kind of having this conversation this morning of like, you know, we're not going to go through life immune to stress, but how do we navigate it and thrive? Um, now there's certainly, um, times that, you know, there's just, it's going to be way harder to thrive than others, but the day-to-day stresses of life, like how do we best navigate that so we can thrive? Because there's no way to just avoid it. And so, oh, that's been a conversation lately. And I love, I love something you said just now, and you kind of mentioned it earlier, is measuring your energy. Because you kind of touch on that, because that's definitely something I'd love to touch on before we go. Because I I think for me, one way I measure if something's a a right fit for me or or a way I should spend my time is, is this life sucking or life giving? Mm -hmm. What does that look like for you? And it's hard because there are parts of my day, and I'm sure yours too, where you got to get it done. Even if it's sucking the energy out of you, it's, I mean, you probably don't want to pick up Marlo's dog poop every day, but that's a part of it, you know? So I think there's a part of it that's, you know, there are things I have to do and I can choose gratitude. Um, but there are some things that I have a choice in. I don't necessarily have to give my energy to this. And maybe it's someone at work that, you know, their very presence sets you off, you know, (laughs) and, but you still have to spend 40 hours a week with them. So what does that look like if they're sucking the life out of you? Um, maybe it's, Actually, I don't know what that looks like. But you setting some boundaries uh, even. I mean, sometimes at work you can't, you know, but but really, really protecting your energy. If it's gonna if you can't say no, taking some measures <laughs> to set boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would hundred percent agree with that. There are a lot of things in my day to day that I can't say no to, you know, but there are boundaries I can set. I can choose gratitude. And I think that makes all all the difference. I I'm all about energy. I'm all about how people make me feel. I'm all about which phase of my cycle I'm in and how that relates to my energy levels. And I think I'm just really intentional with how I fill my days and who I fill them with. Ooh, that's good. I like that. That's a good word. I'm writing that down. Rachel, (laughs) I could talk to you all day long. Um, Where can people keep up with you? How can they kind of keep up with what you've got going on, your move? kind of beginning an adventure in Dallas. Tell us where everyone can find you, where they can keep up with you, how they can work with you, because I know that um, a lot of the Radiant Tribe has already heard episode two, but if they have it before, they're going to want to come follow along with you. Yes, follow me along. I have so many exciting things planned for 2019. I'm getting so excited even just thinking about it. So I'm on Instagram, Rachel Simone Gilliam. My website is launching very, very soon, rachelsimonegilliam.com. And 
I'd love for you to come be a part of the community. It is, it is a sweet one. I will say sometimes it's overwhelming, but it is not rare for me to wake up to 50 to 75 DMs of people just want to check in and say hello. And it is, it is, it's a really sweet place to be. And I love all the people that I get to do life with online, which sounds silly because I don't like to call them my followers, but there are almost 12,000 of them that I just love checking in with and sharing my life with and, you know, hearing about their lives as well. Well, Rachel, I know that getting to watch your life kind of day to day is something I find so encouraging and inspiring. And I can't help but think that um, our listeners will feel the same. So I'm so thankful you joined me today. I can't wait to see what's ahead. Thanks, girlfriend. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. It's not every day you have to replace a water heater. More like every 10 years. The Home Depot can help with a wide selection of the latest models from Rheem. And a helpful online water heater buying guide to help make choosing the right Rheem easy. From gas to electric, tankless, even smart models that can spot a leak before it happens. Water heaters have come a long way. You don't have to. Go to homedepot.com to find the latest Rheem water heaters and helpful answers and advice from our water heater buying guide. Only from the Home Depot. How doers get more done.